Coming to you from Focus One Financial Planning in Roanoke, Virginia, this is Money Gurus, where our team of professionals give financial knowledge and advice to help make your money last. Welcome back to another episode of our Money Gurus podcast. My name is Morgan, and I'm here today with Bo Blankenship, and we're going to talk about what we should be looking for when we're trying to pick a financial advisor. Um, so, Bo, what do you think is the most important thing we should be looking for? Well, I, I would say the most important thing would be trust. Uh, we're going to go over a number of things to look for and some questions to ask, uh, characteristics that you would look for in an advisor, but I think ultimately it has to be trust because most people don't know the financial industry well enough to be able to pick out little things that you know I might see right away. So the, the, the question is going to be, well, okay, well, yeah, certainly I would want to be able to trust them, but how do I, how can I trust somebody when I'm, I don't know them? And I would say uh, you would want to try to get a referral from a friend, and not just a referral, but uh, a referral from somebody who's been with the financial advisor for many, many years and has felt comfortable and uh, feels good with where they are. So uh, that's really the only way you can get trust. Um, sometimes I'll see a person go to an advisor because they're a friend of a friend. The advisor may be new to the industry, uh, maybe not have the technical knowledge that they need. And so, yes, you trust them, but they're just inexperienced and really don't have the uh, maturity that they need in the business to to really know what's best for the client. So certainly trust would be at the top of my list. Um, so does education play any play into that at all? Do you think that education is important? Um, uh, yeah, I do. I do. I think education is certainly important as well as the experience. So education from the standpoint of uh, it could come from a couple of different way, different areas. One is through certification. So, for example, I'm a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, and uh, the industry would say that that is the gold standard in the financial planning industry because uh, the CFP board makes you go through several modules of learning before you're able to sit for the CFP exam. Uh, it's it's a takes a long time to pass the test. So they do feel like that that, that piece would be an uh, indication that somebody, number one, is wanting to improve their knowledge, but also has gone, worked hard uh, to do the things necessary to get that CFP designation. There are other designations as well, but the CFP is probably considered the most valuable. Uh, and then you can also look at, um, at not just... Um, well, another way to look at the education, for example, is uh, what is their background? For example, I have an undergraduate in accounting and a master's in taxation. So the things that uh, I do in the financial planning world all um, touch the tax planning piece because that is such a big part of my uh, history. And then as far as the experience goes, again, having the knowledge, gaining the knowledge is one thing, but being able to apply it in an effective way uh, is just as important. So when you're looking at experience, you know, you certainly want to see, I would think, at least five or ten years experience in the industry before you felt confident that the person that you're dealing with has gone through the ups and downs of the markets and they, they know how to navigate you through those those ups and downs. 
So what do we need to be aware of? We see a lot of people in the industry who are just trying to make a buck and sell a product. Um, what do we need to make sure of when we're looking for a trustworthy financial advisor? Uh, I think one of the things, like you said, a lot of them are just trying to sell products. So if you can ask them, how do they get paid? Uh, and sometimes it's really apparent that there is a conflict of interest. So for example, if I work for a bank or an insurance company or a brokerage house, um, the focus of that entity is to make that entity money. And so typically that involves selling proprietary products or products of that company so that they, they make more money and the, and the company makes more money. So that is certainly a conflict of interest and, I just would not want to be in a relationship where I was always having to worry, are they selling me this product? Are they pushing me in this direction because the company's telling them to, uh, because they're getting more money from it, or is this really what they think is in my best interest? So we would certainly want you to focus on an independent financial advisor who's really objective and is not tied into a particular company. So two of the kind of... um like hot words, I guess, um, that we hear when in reference to financial advisors is fiduciary versus suitability. Can you kind of talk on what that means? Right. So a fiduciary um, has to put the interest of the client ahead of their own. So uh, you might say, well, uh, who would be a fiduciary? Well, CFPs are held to fiduciary standard. Registered investment advisors are held to the fiduciary standard. Uh, but there's some DOL, Department of Labor, regulations that are coming out now where uh, it seems that some advisors will be held to the fiduciary standard, but only in certain areas. So a good question to ask the, uh, the advisor is, in what areas are you held to a fiduciary standard? A CFP would be held to the fiduciary standard in all interactions with a client. So we certainly believe in the fiduciary standard, and we certainly believe that you would not want an advisor who wasn't held to that standard in all the interactions you have with them. So let's talk about the scope of the relationship. Um, let's say I'm currently working with a financial advisor, but I mm -hmm. haven't heard from them in two years. They're not keeping me updated on my accounts. Right, um, right. They don't seem to have any interest in meeting with me. Right. Is that a concern? Like, what should I be looking for in that respect? It is. It is. And it's certainly a concern when they are not proactive with you. So you certainly would want to have a formal a review of the investments, of your tax situation, of your overall financial situation at least once a year. And I say formal, meaning you sit down, you look at the investments, you break it down into asset allocation, rate of return, tax efficiency, all the things that you would expect to go through. Um, you would ex expect to do that at least formally once a year face-to-face. -face. Uh, but there would be other touch points or contacts throughout the year, whether it be market updates or rebalancing uh, conversations or changes in your financial situation. So um, when you, not just after you become a client, but when you're discussing with the advisor, hey, what does this relationship look like? Those are questions you should ask. How often are we going to be meeting 
Am I going to be meeting with you or one of your staff? What's the purpose of the meeting? What will we review when we meet? Uh, what will we be looking for? What kind of indexes are you going to be using to determine if I'm getting the right rate of return? All those things should be discussed and questions asked uh, when you're first interviewing the advisor. So you touched on asset allocation a little bit. Um, is that something you should talk to a financial advisor about to see how they come up with their model? Um, just yes. walk us through that. Yeah, so uh, th- this is part, and again, we have podcasts on some of this stuff that would help you be a little more knowledgeable in asking the question. But one of the things you want to ask is, are you going to be uh, uh, choosing stocks for me individually? Do you use ETFs? Do you use mutual funds? Uh, And whatever process you have, whether it be stock picking, mutual funds, ETFs, uh, and what is your overall allocation? And probably just as important, where did it come from? Did you just create this out of thin air? Are you using Vanguard's model? Are you using some model you found on the internet? I mean, how did you arrive at this investment model? Uh, And as you ask these questions, the more open they are, the more transparent they are, I think that will also give you some indication, is this somebody that I want to work with or not? So if we have asked these questions about the asset allocation model, how how they came up with it, um, are there any, like, glaring red flags that if they give a certain answer that they that we should stay away from uh that's a good question i would say maybe the glaring answer is they don't give you a good answer they may just say well yeah i I picked the stocks based on my research that i do or uh really just doesn't tie into anything that is dependable and what i mean by that is if if i have an advisor that says yeah i'm going to pick it stocks based on research or based on some research firm that I follow, uh, for me as the investor, as a consumer, there's nothing, there's no historical performance that I can say, oh, I can look back and see that this advisor uh, is a good stock picker. Uh, I would much rather be in an ETF or something that I can look back and see the performance and know what to expect uh, moving forward. Um, so kind of piggybacking on the asset allocation, um, how do I know if my rate of return is where it should be? Um, yeah. If I say I'm talking to a friend and their rate of return is, you know, six or 7% higher than mine is, would that be a sign that maybe I should look for a different advisor? It could be. It could be the, um, the asset allocation that you have really drives your expected rate of return. So for example, a person that's a hundred percent fixed would, they're obviously their rate of return is going to be lower and less volatile than a person that's 100% equity. So um, the, the key is, is that the advisor is using an index that is applicable to your situation. So, for example, uh, you know, when we invest our allocation model, we have large cap stocks, mid cap stocks, small cap. So when we show our clients, here's your rate of return, we're comparing their large cap positions to the large cap indexes. Same thing at the other levels. If we have international stock, we're uh, comparing their international rate of return to the international indexes. So the indexes just need to be appropriate for the allocation model that you're in. Right. That makes sense. Um, So do you think cost plays a factor? Um, 
you know, I know that some financial advisors are going to charge a higher percentage than others. Um, how do you kind of weed through that and differentiate that? Uh, it, it definitely is. I would tell you the first step in determining is the cost, uh, where you think it should be, and how to compare it to other advisors is um, making sure that the cost is transparent. So when you're interviewing the advisor, uh, the question should be, what are my total costs? Meaning, are you going to charge me a management fee and then you're going to charge me trading fees? Uh, will I see the cost or will it be buried in a product where I can't see it? You know, the one thing that that I was always concerned with is I can make a decision if I'm paying you too much, but the and I'm I'm fine doing that, but I need to know exactly what I'm paying you. I don't want there to be fees embedded that I don't see. So a fee-based advisor, for example, the the fee is a line item. So you see the item on your statement, and you can say, hey, look, $200 is I'm either happy with that or I'm not happy with that, uh, but at least I know what my total cost is with this advisor. The other thing I would say that's really important is that I would not, you do not want an advisor putting you into a product that has loads where if you leave, they would charge you a fee. So the one thing with us is we're fee-based. So the good news is for a client is if they're ever unhappy uh, with service or performance, they can leave no cost. So it doesn't matter if they've been with us 30 days or 30 years. They can leave at any time, no cost. So if you think about that structure, um, it really holds our feet to the fire as far as if we if we ever fall below whatever uh, service and performance levels we think are appropriate and the client thinks are appropriate, they're going to leave. And so we're always trying to work to stay at those high-level performance. So if I – let's say I get my statement and I don't see that there's a line item fee mm-hmm. – um, is there any way for me to tell if those fees are buried within a fund? That's a good question. I, I would tell you it would be difficult for somebody that's not in the industry. I could see it if I looked at the statement, but there are so many products out there, uh, it would be hard. So, for example, annuities, uh, typically the costs are buried or embedded in the annuity uh, rate of return. So it's very difficult to pull that out and say, what am I really paying for this advisor? Loaded funds, again, it's embedded in the fund fee, and you don't see that, so it's very difficult for me to say here's the cost. So, again, fee-based advisors really uh, are, are – it's it's more transparent. You can see what they're charging you because it's it's out there where you can see it. So it is difficult on some some situations to see it. So it's possible that I could be paying, you know, 2 25 or 3%. Um, no question. Without even really knowing. It. Absolutely, no question about it. I know. I, I feel like all the time in the news we're hearing about financial scandals and this, that, and the third about the financial advisor stole my money. Um, mm-hmm. So how do I avoid like a Bernie Madoff situation, right? Um, where the advisor paints this beautiful picture for me and then steals all my money? How do I avoid that? Well, uh, you know, a lot of the rules have changed since the Bernie Madoff event, and it's been 12 years ago, they changed some of the financial rules and regulations, but now um, you are required to have a third-party independent custodian. So uh, for us, it's Fidelity or National Financial Services. 
So what that does for you as a client is Fidelity or National Financial Services sends you a monthly statement and they say, here are the assets that we hold in your name. And so that's a third party independent group entity, uh, independent entity that's saying we have these assets. Whereas Bernie Madoff was making up statements saying we have these assets when they really didn't. So that's really your protection. That custodian holds that money and, and tells you, yes, we have this money. The other thing that is really protection for you, uh, for example, with us, we have a broker-dealer that's Commonwealth Financial Network. We have uh, National Financial Services, which is our custodian. You cannot get money out of your account without going through those two entities, which really are built to help protect clients from uh, in, uh, you know, advisors that's going to do something negatively. So um, that's really your protection. So this has been really good information. Um, I think it's valuable to a lot of people. Do you have any last tips um, for how we can pick the right financial advisor for us? Yes. The last uh, tip I would give someone is to interview a few financial advisors. And the reason I say that, and I've actually said it to people, if they if they weren't sure whether they want to deal with us or not, I say, look, you should really interview a couple other people. And the reason for that is, uh, there are a lot of moving parts when you start a relationship with a financial advisor. And I feel like whether it be education, experience, certifications, uh, you know, all these other things that we're talking about, which are really X's and O's and technical information, uh, I feel like if you meet with three or four advisors, that it will be very clear to you that, hey, this person knows what they're doing, they're transparent, they've been in the business a long time, Everything that they're talking about makes sense to me. They're making it easy for me to understand. They're not making it too complex. Um, so, and I would tell you, in in that realm, uh, I believe that a financial advisor or any person that's really an expert in their industry can take a complex in, uh, issue and explain it to a person in simple terms that they can say, "Yes, I understand. I understand exactly what we're trying to do there." So. I would say the last tip would be to, to interview a few different people and then uh, make a decision from there. Awesome. Well, Bo, thanks so much for your time today. Um, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode of Money Gurus. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please shoot us an email at morgan at focus1fp.com. If you are interested in learning more about what services we offer, please visit our website at www.focus1fp.com.